I cannot think of this idea of pain to purpose without thinking of the story of Joseph. Here you have this young man who tells his brothers that they were bowing down to him in a dream. Now, I don't know about you, but my brothers would have shot me out of a cannon into Lake Wacom if I had done something like that. Well, his brothers end up selling him into slavery. The pain of that, I can't imagine to say, wow, I have been discarded. I'm nothing. My brothers have gotten rid of me. And then we see Joseph getting back on his feet and he's helping Potiphar and and Potiphar is becoming successful because of Joseph. And then Potiphar's wife throws herself at him and he says, no, I, I, I cannot do this. I cannot disobey my, my living God runs away. And then Potiphar's wife says, this man raped me. So he gets thrown into prison. Now the injustice, like my brother sold me. I'm in jail because of false accusation. And now he has this opportunity to interpret dreams, which now word uh, gets to the emperor of Egypt. And Joseph is brought out, put into a position as the second most powerful person in Egypt and ends up feeding his family and the brothers who discarded him in the first place. Pain, 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 turning to purpose. Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Jeremy Johnson. He is the founder and CEO of Work Chaplain and the host of the podcast, Messy Workplace. He has over 25 years of experience in ministry, nonprofits, and business. And if you are someone today with a deep pain, well, guess what? You are someone with a great purpose. And I want you to be encouraged today by this interview with Jeremy. So the big question is this, how do Jesus loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling? How do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal? How do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Welcome, Jeremy, to the Riskers Podcast. Brother, I am stoked. I am going through your notes right now, and this quote I just read back to you that you shared during the application process. I'm just, I'm just going to read it for listeners right now. Many times the result of our risk isn't the point. It's the journey, it's the relationships, and it's the impact along the way. Brother, welcome to the Riskers podcast. That is something to unpack. Welcome, brother. Thanks, Caleb. I, I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, that's, that's the truth, man. The uh, result isn't the point. I mean, many times we're so caught up in the result that we miss the journey. We miss the now uh, trying to vision cast. And so I think I've, I've gotten to a lot of points in my life and, and they were unfulfilling, but the journey was more fulfilling than the point. So I, I think it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here, man. I'm thrilled to, to have this conversation with you today and see where God takes us. 
Well, Jeremy, tell me about yourself. Tell, tell her, just introduce yourself to yeah. our listeners and those, uh, those moments of your life that have, that have defined you to where you are today. Well, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, which is just a kind of in the middle of the South. They, they used to call it the gateway to the South because 75, I-75 and I-24 ran right through the middle of town. Uh, so I grew up there. I lived there for the for about the first 18 or 19 years of my life. Then I went to, had a cup of coffee at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, went to Trevecca Nazarene University, which was in Nashville. And then I lived there for about a decade and then moved around for about 20 years. And then just moved back about two years ago, back to Chattanooga, which is a completely different area now than when it was when I was growing up. But, uh, it really shaped who I was and I wanted to be a part of something special here because there's a lot of things that are happening here. What is going on in Chattanooga? Like from when you grew up there to now being back? Well, they, they cleaned up the city for one and it's, it's a completely different feel and vibe there Uh, has a completely uh, innovative district. Now it's, they call it the gig city because supposedly it has the fastest internet in the Western hemisphere. So there's tons of startups, tons of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of people taking risks in Chattanooga and people are moving here in droves uh, because of that. So it's, it's an exciting place to be. And I wanted to start a company right here. Didn't know what that looked like and ended up being work chaplain, but uh, it's, it was a great, uh, a great place to, to have the hub of this company. And uh, I firmly believe you can impact the world right here in Chattanooga. Wow. Hit, hit me up. What is Work Chaplain all about? And then I want to dive into you building something from the ground up because a lot of people yeah. take a, a risk for this, that, or the next thing, but right. starting a risk to start an organization, a business, I mean, that is some ground zero, got to build the launch pad, uh, figure out how the rocket works type of mission. So tell us about Work Chaplain and where it all started. Well, just like most entrepreneurs, uh, we get that plane up in the air and then we try to figure out how to build it. Um, (laughs) That's just just who we are. That's how I'm wired. That's how I'm built. Uh, My dad was a, uh, really was an adventurous guy. And I think I got that adventurous gene from him. Always loved to be on the front end the leading edge, if not the bleeding edge, sometimes, unfortunately, <laughs> of, uh, of industries. And so, um, you know, whether it be planning a church or having my own um, consulting firm with the ministry mechanics, it, they've all taken these leaps of faith where I've had to leave stability and security to really, you know, see where God leads us. And uh, Work Chaplain is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a company that cares for people at their greatest needs and what we call soul care. Um, We hear self-care a lot, but uh, really what we need is soul care. We need to take care of our our soul, which permeates throughout our whole body. And so as a wellness benefit, we send in chaplains to businesses um, all throughout the country and uh, they provide soul care for, for employees. So it's a, it's a phenomenal new, um, uh, project that I've been working on for about a year and a half. We launched it in August of 2019, and we've seen exponential growth since then. And uh, just it's an exciting place to be because, you know, as you know, chaplaincy, it's been around forever, but the way we're doing it is very, very different. 
Wow. That, and I can imagine with COVID, man, the opportunities to take care of the soul have been exponentially expanded. Tell me when this idea hit you. I mean, when you want to take care of someone's soul, that means you've seen some hurt souls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the genesis of it was my own soul being uh, hurt. And so eight, nine years ago, I was going through probably the toughest season of my life. I was going through a, a really uh, tough divorce. I had just left my job as a pastor. Um, no, there was no moral failure or anything, nothing that couldn't have been fixed, but it was a tough season. And I remember staring at my screen of my laptop computer and thinking to myself, how am I going to get through this day for eight hours? And I thought to myself, if, if I'm going through this, certainly there's millions of people around the world in jobs that are hurting, that are struggling, that just need people to care for them. And I was a pastor at the time. And, um, you know, if I was going through this time of isolation and loneliness and feeling alone, uh, I can't imagine people who are just working a nine to five job, what they are uh, going through, what they're experiencing. So for me, it was, it came out of a burden. It came out of a burden and a place of real hurt. And it's, it's a way that God always does it. He takes your pain and, you know, helps shape your purpose and, uh, takes your mess and becomes your mission. And that was true to me as well. I love that. What are some identifiers that you've marked out when you go, man, we've talked to a lot of people Mm -hmm. about their souls and these are the issues that are coming up. What are those identifiers and how do you connect to the person who's between you and them? And yeah. businesses and places yeah. where, you know, essentially putting you in the place where you can actually help. Yeah. I mean, we're still trying to figure that out because we're such a baby company. But, you know, the ways that we've done it so far is that uh, we and the things that we've seen has been just the, the need is there. You know, I said a year and a half. Obviously, a year of that has been a COVID year. So, <laughs> you know, we had the bright idea of taking a leap of faith in the middle of a COVID situation. And although the idea and the concept was before that, but uh, not only has it exposed the needs that we've seen more needs. And so I feel now that we've seen that the needs are greater than ever before because of isolation, because of people working from home, which is a great thing, but it also creates other issues with that that come with that. So um, some of the issues that we see is anxiety. Uh, we see depression we see marital issues, all of those things that you see in society today, people bring those in to work with them. I mean, if you think about it, Caleb, we, we spend 90,000 hours of our lifetime at work. That's a lot of time. And so if we're struggling, uh, it's going to affect not only us and our family, but it's also going to affect the business. And so we're, we're going to business and businesses and saying, you know, we can help you build a healthy workplace culture that will allow you to retain your employees and make sure that they're healthy and, um, and, and spiritually healthy and, and their soul is taken care of. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of uh, business owners that wouldn't want that for their employees. One of the, the most amazing things of building my own businesses has been building a team and a culture. Yeah. And I believe I even had heard it said first in church, this idea that uh, culture Mm -hmm. eats doctrine for breakfast. Yeah. 
And that yeah. surprised me. I grew up in a yeah. very conservative church that really sure. upheld doctrine, which I love yeah. the gospel and I love God's truth. Yeah. But it's this idea of if our lives, if our culture, mm-hmm. the way we're living doesn't reflect what we say we believe, right. well, what is it really worth? And Absolutely. so culture I find is being this outflowing of what we truly believe. And yeah. so if you have this culture that believes in its mission, uh, you know, even little sayings I remember would come up mm-hmm. in our company. One of them was best idea wins. Yeah. And it was just this idea of everyone comes to this table as a small company of 15 and you're yeah. heard. I don't care what the title is. Uh, I don't care uh, how long you've been with the company. Best idea wins because yeah. we're all in this to go serve our clients. True. And uh, little things like that arise. And what was interesting is the more me as the leader, as a company think, well, this is what's going to make people, if I can give raises, if we can yeah. figure out a nice uh, medical package, you know, or health package, you know, all these different things. And at the end of the day, what has driven loyalty to the company and great work for the company has been soul care pouring into my people. Now, I understand that with a small company like mine, that's kind of doable, mm-hmm. connecting CEO to, to everyone else. You're probably dealing with larger organizations, and now it gets a little bit more difficult. So tell me what strategies, what what you've done to, to get out there. And, and I'd imagine you have to hit kind of the head in the heart because uh, mm-hmm. As companies retain employees, they they save money. You know, retraining yeah. tra- new people costs a lot of money. That's one aspect. But the other is like, who doesn't want to take care of their employees? So tell me a little bit about that journey and what you have have learned uh, as you've started up Work Chaplain. Well, I, I love what you said that culture eats doctrine for breakfast, and I have also heard it culture eats strategy for breakfast too. Um, which is a great way to put it. And, and culture is everything. And so we have made it affordable and available for the first time ever for small to medium-sized businesses. And so I'll spin it a little bit different. Uh, not a, you know, I think a lot of people think that that CEO is also going to be the shepherd of the people, especially if they're a Christian business owner and, and things like that. But we have to realize that 40% of a, an executive's time is spent putting out crisis and fires. And so what if we could come alongside a business and say, hey, we love your vision and let us take off some of that off of your plate and and really be a benefit that way and and a value to you. Now you're freed up to do whatever you're supposed to do, whatever you're called to do, whatever your purpose is. And we come at it from from an outsourced point of view as well. So there's those confidentiality, you know, uh, things that are going on at you know, I, I know I've worked for several churches and places that I wouldn't want to go to my boss or my pastor and say, hey, you know, I'm dealing with a, I'm struggling with my marriage or I'm dealing with a certain issue. But a person uh, that you can have in confidence that you trust, it's a little bit easier to do that. So for me, um, you know, that is that's something that we want to instill in those businesses, whether they're six employees or 6,000 employees. You know, we try to scale it in a way where we're taking care of people that want to be cared for. You know, it's they have to opt in for it. It's completely non-threatening, um, but but we're there for them, and uh, we want to care for them because I think there's a huge misnomer that everyone has someone there for them, and that's just simply not true. Some of the most you know people that are 
the most popular in the world are the most lonely. Uh, I heard it say the other day that we're more connected now than ever before, yet still lonely. Think about that. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing thing. So we want to be there for people to fill that gap. That is such a powerful, man. I want that to sit with listeners. The misnomer of you think everyone has someone there for them. Yeah. Wow. What a huge concept. And my next question is about trust. I've done therapy myself, uh, working through issues and my approach to it was, oh, come on. Like, I don't really need this. I'm more or less being dragged here. You know, I'm good. Didn't end up being that way. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at calebrakey.com. Uh, someone very close to me, dearly loved, has gone through uh, severe anxiety and panic mm. attacks. I have never dealt with that before and had to learn on the fly going from almost, almost through the five stages of grief, just denial at first, like, Oh, like you're just having a hard week or, or these things are more or less, you know, uh, they, they popped up once, but they're going to go away all the way through going, wow. Like to empathize and go, Oh, right now you feel as if there's a bear in the room, like you are fight or flight right now and getting to an understanding. So the context for that leading up to this is how do you train people mm-hmm. and find the right people to enter into a relationship with someone at a workforce that they don't know and develop that trust to be able to open up and work through stuff together? That's a great question. And we have to find the right people to do that. And uh, we do it through a couple of different ways. Um, one of the ways is we want to find people who are real and relevant and relational and relatable. Those four R's. Uh, because you could have a PhD, you could have all of the theology in the world, but if you can't sit across from someone and relate to them uh, over a cup of coffee, that's a problem. And so we're looking for people that are not necessarily theologians or re- religious people um, or pat retired pastors, you know, in the past companies have done that. They've put uh, retired white pastors as chaplains. You know, that's just been, you know, what people have been used to when you hear the word chaplain, that's what you think. And so we're trying to change that culture and reimagine what a chaplain actually looks like. And so finding the right people that can relate, that have that relatability that can understand where that person that they're sitting across from has been. And I think that breaks down the barriers. The other thing I would say also is that, you know, this is a long burn. You know, if you're, if you're looking for results to happen in a month, you know, it takes a long time to build a relationship. So a year, yeah, you can see uh, some changes in your, in your team and in your company, but you know, it takes time to build that relationship, to build that trust you're talking about. 
And we just have to find the right people to do that. And so the, the other thing, the last thing I will say on that is the, the one thing that we're trying to do is, is called find your fit. We want to find the right fit for your culture and your company, uh, not just put just anyone in there. Um, we don't want anybody with a pulse <laughs> to go to a business. We want to actually find someone that fits your culture. So, you know, if it's if it's a tech company that has 20 something millennials in there, we're not going to send a 75 year old retired pastor. Just doesn't make sense. Uh, so relatability and and finding the right fit for culture is so important, but it's overlooked by most people. Man, I you said so many things there that I just I connect with. And I think one of the biggest ones is just empathy. You know, I grew up with the, the mentors in my life kind of kind of poking fun at this idea of relatability. Kind of like, oh, they're just putting people in the same age bracket, the same right. stage of life together, hoping that something good comes of it. Empathy and relatability together. <laughs> That's yes. where the power comes from, you know, powerful it, combo. It's a wonderful combo. I mean, it's amazing. And, and this is, this is a funny, funny example. Um, there's two things that come to mind. One is um, this show called, I believe it's called criminal minds. I think it's been on for a long time. Sure. I think it's on Netflix and then a book called never split the difference. Mm-hmm. Both coming from a very similar aspect. The book is from someone who I believe was in the FBI as a, uh, a hostage negotiator and okay. criminal minds goes into lots of, you know, negotiating tactics. And they talk about how empathy is their weapon because they go from being in this high stress situation, having to deal with someone who is a terrorist or something like that and being yeah. able to build empathy, which builds this trust and a chance mm-hmm. to get information, which then leads to more relatability, which then leads to a breakthrough. Yeah. And it means a ton to me just to hear that the focus is on this ability to show empathy. Yeah. When I look to hire at my company, I got to admit, the last thing I look at is a resume. The very first thing I want to do is, is look at some, some work that's been produced, but it's to get on the phone with them and just see how they relate to people because it's so easy to see, Hey, what's this coach ability? Like, do they have the ability to step into the shoes of someone? Even when someone asks, Hey, so you guys are a ghostwriting company. It's like, I respond back with, well, we help people write books, but really what we do is we're very skilled at being able to step into your shoes and be your scribe. It's, it's this empathy and action It's stepping into your shoes. Love that. And so, um, I would love to hear your journey to find empathetic people, because frankly, I just don't even hear that phrase in culture very often. You just don't, it's not a, it's not the sexy Mm -hmm. attribute that you hear all the time. You hear passion, you hear thrive, you hear innovator, you hear investor, you hear, but who hears of the empathetic person? You know, it's incredible kind of to go back to the beginning of the, the journey to start work chaplain. I really had an idea in mind what kind of people we, we needed for this role. And we have a lot of different roles within the team. Now we are, this time last year, I'll give you an idea. We were at about three employees and now we're at around 20 and we'll probably be 50 by the end of the year uh, just because of the exponential growth that we're seeing in different areas, whether that be virtual or on the ground in different cities. 
So we're excited about that. But I usually, believe it or not, I usually take the first phone call to contact the, the people that we get from the website. So we'll put out a post that says, hey, we're looking to hire in this area and we'll get hundreds of emails, uh, which is crazy to me because people want to be a part of just doing good in the world. And mm-hmm. we feel like we are. And so I'll take the first phone call usually. And I will, I will know in the first five minutes normally whether they will be a good fit for our company. Sometimes I know in the first minute. And the things I look for is just how we connect together um, and how the, the flow of the conversation goes. And also know if they're asking the wrong questions, mm. you know, there's, there's the difference between wrong question, asking the wrong questions and asking the right questions. If they're asking the right questions, then they're, they're curious about the, the, the vision of it. And they get it. They already get it. Uh, the people that are asking the wrong questions, I'm not sure if they will ever get it. Mm. And it's, it's going to be a, a tougher learning curve to bring them along. So in the discovery process, that's, the, that's one of the first things I do is really gauge that. It's a feel. Um, we're, we're not always 100%. We don't always hit a home run, but we have a, a pretty good uh, rate of putting the right people, not just on the team, but in the right seats on the bus. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's one of the things that we do to identify if people care, you mm-hmm. know, if people care for people. Normally, the people that want to do this, there's several indicators you can tell. And one is they just have a heart for people. And if they just want to be in, quote unquote, ministry, you know, this is probably not the thing for them. Uh, They should probably go back to the church and do the thing because we're not the church. We're different. Hmm. Uh, We're quite a bit different. So those are some of the things that we do to identify quality people for our team. And I'll tell you, I, I love our team. I didn't know anybody on our team a year and a half ago. This wasn't Jeremy bringing in his buddies to to work at Work Chaplain. It was finding the right people that have the heart for other people. Hit me with some of the nuts and bolts of mm-hmm. once you find the right people and you have identified a company and they're on board, they say, man, we've got people who are lonely. We've got extroverts mm-hmm. who are now isolated. We have those who are struggling alone and we have a fit here. Tell us the nuts and bolts of like, how does it work working uh, your company connecting to client? Is it one-on-one? Is it to a group? Like, how does it work? Mm -hmm. It's both. It's both. We have those one-on-one times. We also have group uh, sessions that we facilitate. Uh, Some will be topical. Some will be laser focused on one topic. Some will kind of rotate those topics um, but one of the things that we want to do is customize it for every company. And I know that sounds crazy because how can you customize it for hundreds of companies if we work for hundreds of companies? So, you know, it's a unique thing that we try to do. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is we, we actually have two things separated, proactive wellness and crisis care. And so we want to help people on the front end. Um, and so we do group facilitation. Uh, they could be uh, different topics. Um, it could be the same topic weekly if people are going through grief or going through marital issues. Um, we also do the one-on-one thing as well. But there's varieties of ways that we that we help people and help their teams. We also help the overall culture of the business and assess that 
and, and the markers that we're looking for, you know, happiness, turnover rate, those types of things that uh, companies are losing billions of dollars every year on unhappy employees. And so how can we impact that? Um, so those are things that we look at. The crisis care, we're there when things don't go as planned. You know, when the divorce does happen, when there's a death in the family, um, when there's hospital visits, all of those things, we have um, found ways to, to really be there when life just falls apart. But we don't want to just be there for the crisis. We also want to be there to prevent some of the crises from down the road happening. And that's why proactive wellness and the preventative side is so important to us. Wow. So it, it's almost as if you guys can be proactive and, and almost on retainer, it sounds like, oh, yeah. where you're you're providing health and wellness before things mm-hmm. get bad. You're there for when employees are going through those hard things and work becomes the last thing in their life that they're even thinking about. And then you get to provide C-level leadership with reports on like, hey, this is what's going on and your yeah. culture, which if the company gets large enough, I think that can be one of the things that just gets left by the wayside. And, and no doubt. not only do you're hemorrhaging your best people, you're hemorrhaging profits, you're hemorrhaging pretty much everything if you don't take care of your people. So that's a, that's no a really uh, robust mm-hmm. um, structure you have there. And I think it's awesome. Thanks, Tell man. me some of the favorite stories you've had that have arisen out of these groups, out of people who maybe walked in timid or like, oh, they're trying to have us play patty cakes here at work and then have left absolutely changed from it. You know, I'll, I'll share a story that, you know, walking people through one-on-one and, you know, we have to be careful with confidentiality and things like that, but, you know, walking people through a divorce. um, I remember in the middle of COVID, we actually stopped our operations and, um, you know, for a couple of months, because everybody was in quarantine anyway, so we couldn't, you know, it shut down everything. We basically threw our budget, threw everything um, in the ocean because it just changed everything for us. Luckily, we were already thinking virtually, so uh, even before COVID. Um, but one of the things we did was we gave away our services for free uh, during a period of time during that, that quarantine. And for me personally, I remember walking a couple of different um, young men through a very messy divorce um, that was very difficult. And um, to see where they are at now compared to where they were at in April or May is just unbelievable. It's like the world has been changed. And so the measurables that we look at, those stories that we look at that, um, that can't be measurable or can't be measured, there's, there's some statistics that we can't measure. We, can't, we don't know how many suicides that we are, we're going to prevent. We don't know how many divorces we're going to say or, or turn around. Um, we don't know how we can change people's anxiety. There, there's some things that can't be measured, but the things that can be measured, um, it, it's just incredible to see life change take place. And we believe, it's like our vision statement says, we believe if we change the employee, we can change the business. And if we can change the business, ultimately, we can change the community. And when we see communities begin to change, I think that's where we'll see the long-term results. And the goal that, we, that we've set from the beginning is to, to see life change take place, not just in one area or one city, but around the world. 
And uh, that's exciting for me to see that. And it starts with those little stories of life change that are taking place. And so um, even within our team, I've seen some incredible things take place. Um, Some, some real situations that have been phenomenal. Uh, And so I'm excited to see as we get more and more into this, see more and more stories take place because we believe in the power of story. And uh, we even, that was one of our first hires was a director of storytelling to tell the story of work chaplain. And so we're only going to see more and more of those stories take place. I love how we've gone from, you had a hard time in your life mm-hmm. to being the, the the founding moment or where this this started for you wanting to wanting to you know your pain became your purpose mm-hmm. and then we've gone all the way through to we're changing people or employees mm-hmm. changing businesses changing yeah. communities which yeah. we know changes the world the world i mean yeah. that is that is the beauty of taking a risk running with an idea mm-hmm. uh moving when you are moved yeah. so i wanted to ask you about this concept for those listeners listening now who do have that dream who mm-hmm. do uh have that calling yeah but they're standing on uh the point that that yeah. tipping point and they've been standing there a while can you break down a little bit of what pushed you from being a dreamer to Mm -hmm. being that doer who's actually creating something new that this world needs. Yeah. And I think there's a huge distinction between a dreamer and a doer. And there's some people that do both. And um, I I was just tired of my life of, of dreaming and having ideas. And I wanted to do things. And I, I've always been like that, even since I was 18, 19 years old, whether it's planning a, a church that in my living room with six people, um, or starting a new business. Um, it has always been, I, I, I would not stop. I would not sleep until that happened. The dream became a reality. Um, I'll tell you a funny story that um, I was at a swimming pool a couple of years ago with my sister and her two kids and my two kids, and they had an old-fashioned high dive. Uh, I don't know if you ever remember those where, sure. where you grew up, but we had, I mean, there were huge high dives that like the Olympic style high dive <laughs> platform, you know, concrete platform. And I saw the kids keep going off of it. And I thought, man, I'm too old for that. I'm, I'm too old. I, I don't need to be doing that. I'll hurt myself. Um, and I, I just kept, kept seeing people and I'm like, I got to try this because that's <laughs> just the way I am. I'm the adventure guy. Um, and so I'm even writing a book right now that's going to be out this year called Cannonball. So jumping into the water, um, into the deep water. But I remember going up the stairs and feeling, you know, uh, the excitement of about to jump off the thing. And I remember that I was tentative and I got to the edge and I began to not go all in to the water, but somehow I was tentative and pulled up and ended up scraping my feet on the board, falling and hitting head first into the water, smacking the water. And I, I promise you, Caleb, I could hear the people say, ooh, as <laughs> underneath the water because it smacked so hard. And I, I tell you that story because, um, you know, everyone is going to be at that point 
where they are at the edge of the board to dive into their dream, whether it's writing a book or starting a business or marrying that girl or whatever it is. And they are either going to go all in with it or they're going to end up getting more hurt than they would if they were to take that, that leap into the deep water. And so I want to encourage people to do that, to not just be tentative about it, uh, but completely dive in because when we leap into the deep water, there's, there's a biblical principle there. You know, it's like when Jesus told Peter to push out into the deep water, that's where the abundance and the blessing is found is when we go to the deep water, when we leap to the deep and what happened with Peter, he had a, an abundance of fish that almost broke the nets of the, uh, of the fishing net. That's the life that I want to live. And you can't do that just dreaming. You have to do it. You have to go all in and, uh, and do that. And uh, so, so that's, that's been the story of my life has been these little bitty steps that have taken me to giant leaps of steps uh, or leaps of faith. And so I believe that, uh, you know, it starts with a tiny step, but eventually you're going to have to go all in off the high dive into the deep water. I love that. I, uh, I'm very auditory. I love uh, listening to my Bible and I just happened to listen to the simple story out on the boat. Here comes the storm and everyone's freaking out. Like, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying here? And and he's like, like, why don't you trust me? (laughs) And I just thought, yeah, totally asleep. And, and I think about it just in our lives and the, and they, these disciples, they feared for their lives in that moment. Yeah. And how often we do it over the little things like Jesus, like my bank account's almost gone or Jesus, like, like right. if I take this step, you know, I might lose my house or Jesus, yeah. I, you know, and it's like, if God's calling you to something yeah. like he's there for you, trust him. And going back to the start of this podcast, it's not always about the result of yeah. what you're being called to. It's the journey that you're going to be going through and God's going to grow you through that because guess what? Maybe you haven't been living your life with much faith and that is everything to our King Jesus, like faith. Uh, We cannot please him without it. And and it's all, it's how he grows us. So I just absolutely love that. Yeah. God never gives us a dream that matches our logic or a bank account. (laughs) You know, he just doesn't. And that, that's not, that's not the business that he's in. He wants to give us, audacious. I I use that word probably way too much, but I want to live a life of audacity that's going to challenge people to also live a life of audacity, not just for me, for personal reasons, but I want to, I want people, I want my kids, my, my daughter just launched a, a, an online boutique and I, I, and she's only 19, almost 19 years old. And I, I love when people just take these leaps of faith into the deep water without any life preserver, without any safety net. Uh, and, and God blesses people when you do that. He just does. That's what he does. Wow. 19 year old years old, starting something new. I, I think back and all the times that I talked myself out of doing something because I wasn't worthy or I didn't have the education or I, you know, there will always be an excuse. Won't, won't there? Like, but there is no excuse for that calling. Like God will equip you. You better believe yeah. it. There's going to be lots of failure in it, but your failure leads to your next opportunity, which leads you exactly where God wanted you to go. Brother, I always ask my guests this, and that is to fill in the blank. And you can do that with a sentence, a paragraph, whatever seems fit in the moment. Risk is blank. 
risk is a pursuit of not just happiness, but of holiness. I'll sum it up like this. My dad, the adventurous, uh, I remember one time he chased a bear and I thought to my, myself, it was a big mama bear, black bear in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And I thought, what if I could pursue my dreams and my life like my dad chased that bear? And that's the life I want to live. And so risking, uh, that comes with risking and risk taking is exhilarating. And it's the pursuit of everything that God has called us to be and uh, to live that life of audacity. And uh, so that's what I would say. Goodness gracious, brother. You got another book in you called Chase the Bear because no, that that's is a chapter, powerful. actually. Is it? Okay, good. Well, I mean, that goes right into my next question, which was I want to hear more about your new book that's coming out, mm-hmm. Cannonball. And just, I want, you know, people are listening right now. They're very interested in work chaplain. They're, they want to know more about you. Where are you pointing them to? Where can they find you? Where are they going to be able to get yeah. your new book? Just, I'd love for you to just give us the download of where we could connect with you. Yeah, on social media, I'm all over uh, on all channels of social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Jeremy Johnson One is my Instagram. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty heavily involved there on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, same thing, Jeremy Johnson One. And then workchaplain.com for Work Chaplain. They can go to uh, check out what we do there. God is doing some great things, and we want to just partner with as many businesses and people that we can to change the world. And that's where you can find me online. Man, that's awesome, Jeremy. Everyone, thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform if you've enjoyed this awesome episode. Please leave a five-star review. And finally, if God is calling you to risk, to heal a pain, to solve a problem in this world, get started. Do something about it. What we do at Sermon to Book and Speaking to Book is we help Christian leaders tell their story, write their books, start building their platforms, growing their business. You will not regret taking whatever step it is that God's put on your heart. Um, You've seen today, Jeremy, starting from a pain. I mean, think about that. Everyone has a pain. And I guarantee you that God can use that in your life, whether it be to help one person by giving them a cup of water or by growing and building a multi-million dollar high rise. I encourage you take the jump off the diving board. Don't do the, the, the belly flop as Jeremy and, and I have uh, before <laughs> in our life or do some belly flops. That's better than nothing. Uh, much love, Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining me for the riskers podcast, brother, man. I'm wishing so much just prosperous years, helping people, through your company. Thanks, Caleb. It's been an honor to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.